Welcome to 40 Plus Fitness for Women. I'm Lynn, your host, and today we are actually going to do my first frequently asked questions session. So these questions are compiled from you, my listeners and followers on Instagram, plus some things that keep coming up with my clients. But today is finally a gorgeous day here in Helsinki. I was actually at a party last night, which was at my friend's country house, an hour and a half drive from here, and it rained the whole time. It was an outdoor party, and people were dressed warmly. I myself had a cashmere sweater on over my sundress. But the best part about the party was actually meeting new people. I knew the, you know, my friend who was turning 50. So this is her 50th birthday party, plus then a couple other friends that we have in common. But other than that, they were all new people to me. And the most exciting part was meeting another woman whose name is actually Lynn as well. So that immediately caught my attention because there are not that many Lynns out there. And then we just hit it off. So, and it's not that often that when you're 50 plus, you meet new people that you hit it off with. So I'm looking forward to getting to know her better. We exchanged phone numbers. So that was great. But anyway, so let's get into the frequently asked questions. So one that I am getting really a lot, and especially related to my new program, which is Learn to Lift at Home, is what sized weights should you buy? Now, this is a topic that I cover in quite a bit of depth in episode number 11, uh, called what weights should you start with? When should you go up in weight and how to apply progressive overload? So that is definitely an episode that I recommend you listen to, but let's go through this one more time. So the challenge here is that I actually can't tell you what weight you should start with because that is going to be individual. It's going to depend on how strong you are and how well you know how to do the exercises. So if you have some background in doing any weight training, if you have a friend or you have the ability to go, if, if you go to a gym and they have some weights, you could go in and do a little test to see what may be the lowest weight that you should start with. Because I think one of the challenges is that women tend to be lifting too small a weights. And even though maybe in the very, very beginning, you will need small weights just because your body is not used to doing weight training, you will find that quite quickly you are able to increase those weights. So the smallest weight that you'll need is the one that you'll need for lateral raises. Lateral raises work your middle shoulder muscle. And the way that you do a lateral raise is that you'll be standing with your arms by your side and you will raise your arms, keeping them straight until they are parallel with the ground. And the angle at which you raise them should be not directly out to your sides, not directly in front of you, but somewhere between that. So maybe 45 degrees out. And that shoulder muscle is one of the weaker muscles or smaller muscles that you have. So if you start with that one, you'll know that that's the lowest, the smallest weight that you'll need. So just um, let's say you're in your weight room. So you're trying to figure out like what weight you would need. You could also do this at home. 
you could try it with like a water bottle um, or a gallon of milk, you know, a gallon bottle. See how heavy you can fill that and then weigh that and see, you know, what the weight would be. But in any case, so you'll be standing there and, you know, it doesn't matter really which arm you do, but maybe do your, your weaker arm. <laughs> Or try both, see if there are any differences. But in any case, so you'll be standing there and your arms are straight and you will lift it to that horizontal position and see what kind of weight you can lift it up to that horizontal position with, with it feeling challenging. Now, our goal in the weight training really is to challenge your muscles. So you want to pick a weight where when you've done it, um, let's say you can lift it, let's say six, seven, or eight times. And then you feel like, okay, no, now I can't do this without shrugging my shoulder or swinging to help me or whatever. Then that is, I think, a good weight to start with. Now I could guess that that might be somewhere around two kilos which is approximately five pounds for those of you in the States and working with pounds, probably won't be much higher than four kilos or nine pounds. Now, of course, we're individual. So maybe that somebody out there immediately is like, hey, 10 pounds is a piece of cake for me. But test it on yourself. So this is the challenge when people ask me, you know, so that's going to be your lowest weight. And then what I would do is buy different weights going up from that. So you actually you have the option that you can buy uh, some individual weights that are going up from that, or you can buy adjustable weights. For me, what I did was I had some, you know, these plastic dumbbells laying around the house because a friend of mine had moved like 10 years ago <laughs> and said, Hey, Lynn, do you want these weights? And I thought, Oh yeah, I'm going to start weight training at home. So I took the weights and then they sat there collecting dust for years. So I started with those. And then I started buying just used weights online because during the lockdown, a lot of people bought weights and then never started using them or went back to their gym afterwards. So I was able to buy a lot of really good virtually untouched weights for almost nothing. So try that out. Just get a whole bunch of different weights. And then I also do have a link in the show notes for some weights. If you don't want to do either of those things, you just want to order them new, no hassles. You know, I have a link in the show notes for some weights that you could look at that I think are good. Um, the, the biggest thing is that when you are talking about training your upper body, so smaller muscles like your shoulder muscles and your biceps and triceps and that kind of thing, you're increasing, when you increase your weights, the increases are going to be fairly small. So you want to be able to go up, uh, if you're working kilograms, you want to be able to go up one kilo at a time. And if you're working in pounds, uh, maybe one pound at a time is a little bit exaggerated, but like maybe two pounds at a time go up in weight. So don't just buy like a five and a 10 and a 20 and a 30, you know, that might be too much of a jump for you to be able to make progress. And uh, yeah, so that would be my answer on that. 
Now, your lower body, of course, is going to require more weight. And there again, you will need to test and see, but you can definitely get started even without the weight. At least in my programming in the Learn to Lift at Home, some of the exercises I would really start with body weight because your body weight already is offering some resistance. And many of my clients have noticed that it takes them a little while to you know, get familiar with the exercises themselves before they can start adding weight. And with the lower body exercises, you can also do things like adding weight that isn't actually a weight. Um, so you could like put the weights in a backpack. You can put some bottles of water in a backpack and in that way, weigh yourself down um, in the beginning. So I just want to get you started. Like, let's not overcomplicate this. I have just released two do-it-yourself programs, one for at the home, the other for at the gym. Both have options to train two, three, or four days a week. You'll learn all the things that you need to know to get started what weights to choose, what exercises to do, how to do each exercise, how to schedule them into your week, everything. Go check it out, www.befitafter40.com slash DIY. So like do it yourself. Get started. Another question that I see so much asked, and especially among women who are in midlife and are not interested in looking like bodybuilders, right? Where a lot of us are much more interested in just looking toned. For sure, for me, that is my motivator. I just want to look fit and firm, right? I am not looking for looking like a bikini fitness model with muscles bulging all over the place. I still like a feminine aesthetic. And this is, of course, all of us have our own aesthetic that we strive for. But a lot of women want just to look toned. And if you're one of them, so the question is, how do you train in order to look toned? Let's look at what is toned. Toned is that you have muscle and that you have low enough body fat for that muscle to show underneath your skin and um, body fat. So that requires kind of two components to it. The first is that you have muscle and actually there is just one way to build muscle. And it's the same way, regardless of if your goal is to get toned or to look like a bodybuilder, right? Muscle responds a particular way. And then the second part of that is that you need to have low enough body fat so that that muscle shows underneath. So for me, for example, I started by really focusing on building muscle, lifting heavy, lifting hard. And I did that for a little over a year, consistently eating enough protein, all the things. And then I went into the reveal phase, so revealing my muscle by going into a calorie deficit and consciously losing body fat. And now I've been able to achieve that toned look that I've been after. So it's the kind of look where I think if somebody sees me, they think, oh, she looks athletic, you know, toned. 
but you're not thinking that, oh my goodness, wow, she's, she's like spending her life in the gym, right? To get toned, you need to be building muscle and losing body fat. Building muscle means challenging your muscles, applying progressive overload, and working close to failure. One of the big myths around being toned or getting toned is that you need to do light weights and lots of reps. That is false. Now, if you have not picked up any kind of weight and you start to do light weights and lots of reps, you will get some degree of muscle growth. But if you're in perimenopause and menopause, that's not going to be very significant, probably won't bring you to the results that you want. So what you should be doing is really lifting heavy in a rep range of somewhere between, let's say, 8 and 15 reps. And we'll talk more about rep ranges in the next question. So question number three is, how many reps should I actually be doing? And now I'm going to put this in the context of if you want to build or maintain muscle. And as we discussed with the toning question, even if your goal is to tone and not to look like a bodybuilder, what you need to be doing is building muscle. Now, it used to be believed that the number of reps that you did was tied with what kinds of results you would get. And this has actually been taught to a lot, a lot of personal trainers. And I think actually that data is still in some of the PT uh, training programs to this day, which is really awful to hear. What we do know is that if you want to get strong, yes, you want to have the lower rep ranges. But if you want to build muscle, anything from like about five or six reps up until about 30 reps will do the job, right? As long as, and there's a caveat to this, as long as you are training close to failure or to failure. So if you pick up a matchbook and then you do bicep curls and you do 30 of them or you do 100 of them, you're not going to get toned. You're not going to build muscle because you're not actually getting anywhere near close to failure. Your arms may get tired. They may even burn, but that's different from training close to failure. All right. So my recommendation really for people starting out weight training is really to work in kind of an eight to 12 rep range. You could work in a lower rep range. You could work, you know, six reps and up. You could work in a higher rep range. But the beauty of this kind of middle ground rep range is that A, your weights are not quite as heavy as if you were working in a lower rep range. The logic there goes that if you need to hit failure sooner, you're going to need to be uh, lifting heavier weights, right? And if you're going to hit failure later, like after more reps, you're going to be working with lighter weights. And when you're working with lighter weights, you are able to pay more attention to your technique. And when you're a beginner weight trainer, that is a really good idea. Now, the disadvantage of doing hugely long 
reps, um, hugely long sets. So lots of reps in each set is that, you know, you are tiring yourself out a lot more. So your weight training overall may not be as effective as if you're doing a little bit shorter sets. So I recommend somewhere between like eight and 12 reps to do as your rep range. Another big discussion that we have is on working compound exercises versus isolation exercises, and which ones should you be doing? Now, there are advantages and disadvantages to both. Um, Compound lifts are basically these more complicated exercises where you are using multiple muscles at a time. So squats are a good example. So they can be all kinds of different squats. They can be a back squat. It can be um, Bulgarian split squats. You can do hinge movements, RDLs, all kinds of different compound exercises where you're just using a lot of muscles at the same time versus isolation exercises. Now, isolation exercises aren't going to be 100% just using that particular muscle that you're trying to isolate, but it is more of like an emphasis uh, type of thing. So like a bicep curl that is isolating your bicep, or if you're doing a leg extension machine, you are really working your quads and not really working anything else. Um, If you're doing a leg curl machine, you'll be isolating your hamstrings, working them and not really working other muscles. So the difference is that when you're doing a compound exercise, you can think of it like, well, I've used this analogy before. It's like as if you and let's say your whole family is moving a heavy piece of furniture around the house. If your family is comprised of different people, so you might have your six-year-old holding onto one edge of the couch and you've got your husband holding onto one end end of the couch and your mom holding onto another end. So all these people have like different abilities to lift a heavy couch. (laughs) Some of them are stronger, some are weaker, some might be taller, shorter, easier to hold onto that couch, whatever. They have different capabilities to move that couch. And so they, even though you use all of you to move that couch and it makes, you know, you can get that couch moved and all of you get a little bit of work at the same time there. It is totally possible, for example, for your six-year-old to decide, I'm not really going to help and just like hold with one finger and not really get anything out of it. Or for somebody who is very strong to decide to take the lion's share of holding that couch and to do a lot more of the work. Same thing in the compound lifts, right? Just because you have a lot of muscles that are being possibly used in the compound lift doesn't mean that they are all getting a good amount of um, exercise or a good amount of stimulus there. And so some muscles can decide to kind of take over and some can decide to drop out a little bit. So that's the difference between that. So for me, for example, because I was doing a lot of compound lifts in the group fitness classes and not really any isolation lifts specifically on my hamstrings, my hamstrings started to get really, really weak and it caused all kinds of, it started to cause actually pain issues for me. Um, And it was only by starting to do isolation exercises, working 
just my hamstrings that I got them back into the game and strengthened them and got rid of the issues that I was having. So there is something to be said for both kinds of exercises. And then finally, one question that I get a lot is people who are starting out weight training and then they start with um, exercises like, for example, a reverse lunge or an um, Bulgarian split squat or, or something like this where you're on one foot or balance is an issue. And they wonder like, ah, oh, I'm having a hard time balancing, I'm falling over, this kind of thing. Hold on, <laughs> like, like literally, hold on. Because we are not trying to train your balance at the same time as your muscles in these. <laughs> in fact, your body is designed such that if it feels like you might fall over, then it's going to be focusing much more on your balance than on your strength. So we want to give it a good amount of stability when we're trying to work the muscles. So by all means, hold on. It is not cheating. When your body is not having to worry about falling over, it can focus more of its energy and attention on actually stimulating or using the muscle that you're trying to use. So leave your balance exercises for another time and do your weight training workouts as weight training workouts. There are some great ways that you can work your balance, working your balance into your daily life. For example, get in the habit of brushing your teeth, standing on one foot, or stand up when you're putting on your shoes and taking off your shoes, or when you're putting on socks and taking off socks. These things will be difficult for you at first, but as you do them day after day, week after week, it's going to be like a no-brainer. You're going to pull your socks off and on without having to sit down. Any kind of dressing and undressing. If you notice that, oh, when you're putting on your underwear, for example, you sit down on the edge of the bed, you put one foot in the underwear, the other foot in the underwear, then you stand up and you pull up your underwear. Well, a great balance exercise for you would be to stand and then put your feet into your underwear standing and then pull them up, right? Then graduate to the next more difficult thing, which would be to start putting on your socks while you're standing, right? Try putting on stockings from a standing position, not sitting down. Try tying your shoelaces when you're standing. So then you've got to be on one foot, you've got the other foot in the air. You might even actually put the foot that's in the air, the one you're tying, uh, lean it against the other foot so that you have a good base for it. Like there are all kinds of ways to practice your balance. So practice your balance separate from practicing with your muscles. Anyway, so I hope that these frequently asked questions or the answers to these frequently asked questions were useful for you. And if you have some other questions that you have, please feel free to reach out. I love, love, love to hear from you and to hear what you've liked about the podcast or what's been left unclear, what has been clear, what other topics you'd like to hear about send me a DM. Instagram is maybe the easiest way to reach me, but then you can also just email me lynn 
at befitafter40, that's four zero, dot com. And I will definitely answer you. I love to hear from my listeners. So with that said, I will sign off for this week. Talk to you next week. And in the meanwhile, happy training. Before you go, could you do me a favor? If you've enjoyed my podcast and found it useful, would you please go and give me a five-star rating and review? It would really mean the world to me and help more women find the show. Thanks so much.